Welcome to Alabama Short Stories, when you're a little behind on your Alabama history. I'm your host, Sean Wright. It's Fat Tuesday as I write this. It's the last day of the carnival season and the Mardi Gras parades are rolling out in Mobile, New Orleans, and lesser towns nationwide. Mardi Gras is a French term that translates to Fat Tuesday. The day after is Ash Wednesday, the first day of Lent for Western Christian churches. To put it into simple terms, Fat Tuesday is the last day to party and fatten up before Lent starts. Forty days of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving are on the doorstep. If you're from an area that does not have a Mardi Gras celebration, there's a good chance you are celebrating Shrove Tuesday and your church may be having a pancake breakfast. That's all fine and good if that's how you want to celebrate, but I have a feeling Mardi Gras may blow your mind. Mardi Gras seems to be growing in popularity, and you don't even have to go to Mobile or, God forbid, New Orleans to see a parade. A quick Google search shows me that Mobile County has over 20 parades, with more parades in the Baldwin County towns of Orange Beach, Foley, Fairhope, Daphne, Gulf Shores, and Fort Morgan, to name a few. As you move north in the state, you'll find parades in towns such as Andalusia, Dothan, Wetumpka, Birmingham, Decatur, and Huntsville. My son sent me a video of the parade in Auburn as it passed his dorm and headed towards Toomer's Corner. Who would have thought? It might not be a real thing, but these cities are putting their all into celebrating Mardi Gras. The floats are impressive, the beads are plentiful, and everyone pretends that king cake tastes good, not just the sad coffee cake it really is. Now, are you still confused about what Mardi Gras is? I'll explain more in the story, but for the purist out there, you may find me using the term Mardi Gras for the carnival season and not just Fat Tuesday. When the world thinks of Mardi Gras, they think of New Orleans, and one would be mistaken to believe it was started there. But as every Mobilian will quickly tell you, Mardi Gras started in Mobile, Alabama. Mobile was founded in 1702 by the French as the first capital of Louisiana, 17 years before that other Mardi Gras celebrating city was founded. Mobile was a French colony for the next 100 years. The city then fell under the control of Great Britain and then Spain as part of Spanish West Florida before being seized by the United States in the War of 1812. It became part of the state of Alabama when it was granted statehood in 1819. Mobile may have been founded in 1702, but the first celebration began a few years earlier. The French celebrated Bouf Gras, which means fatted ox, and the French explorer Pierre Lemoyne d'Iberville and his men are credited for starting this tradition in Mobile. In 1699, d'Iberville recorded in his journal that the men in the camp donned masks, feasted, and danced. In 1703, Nicolas Langlois started the annual carnival, strictly a French Catholic celebration. He established a carnival organization called the Société de Saint-Louis with a mass ball called the Masque de la Mobile. The first parade in Mobile started in 1711 when the Bouffe Gras Society paraded with 16 men pushing a cart with a papier-mâché cow's head. As the colony changed hands, the celebrations would change to a degree. The celebration would change even more once it became part of Alabama and the United States. In 1831, the celebration moved from the pre-Lenten season to New Year's. Michael Kraft, a cotton broker, and some friends brought cowbells, rakes, and other farming implements and spontaneously marched throughout the city. 
When asked what was happening, they said they were the Calbellion de Rankin Society and wanted to celebrate the coming year. The Calbellions became the first of the secret organizations behind the parades. In Mobile, these organizations would be known as mystic societies. They would host balls and parades during the carnival season. In New Orleans, these organizations are called crews. In 1856, three Calbellion members met in New Orleans' French Quarter with three former members to create a new secret society to follow New Orleans' Mardi Gras parade. They would become the mystic crew of Comus, the first and oldest of New Orleans' crews. The Calbellions were composed of white upper-class men, and they refused to let anyone else into their society. Working-class men and even women would eventually organize their own societies. Things were going great with Mardi Gras until the Civil War broke out, and the parades and balls were halted. When the war was over, the city of Mobile and the South in general were not in great shape, and the local citizens were reminded of it daily by the occupying Union forces who took control in April 1865. If and when Mardi Gras would be resumed was probably not a high priority, but for one man, it was a priority. His name was Joe Kane. Joe Kane was born in Mobile in 1832, the year before Mardi Gras moved to New Year's. He grew up enamored with the societies and became a charter member of the Tea Drinker Society at the ripe old age of 13. During the war, it's thought that he served in the Confederate Army and lived briefly in New Orleans before returning in 1866. He wanted to revive Mardi Gras and return it to its original pre-Lenten period, which was observed in New Orleans. Kane and six members of the Tea Drinker Society dressed as Indians and rode through town in a decorated charcoal wagon. Kane led his parade dressed as a Chickasaw Indian chieftain, Slackabama Renico, this impromptu parade was a big hit with the citizens of Mobile. There was no real chief slack of Bamarenico, but parading as a Chickasaw Indian had special meaning. It was a dig at the Union soldiers who would know that the Chickasaw tribe had never been defeated in war. The following year, Chief slack returned, and this time he was joined by Confederate veterans playing instruments who called themselves the L.C. Minstrel Band which most people know as the Lost Cause Minstrels. The mythology of the Lost Cause, the idea that the South did not fight for slavery, but honor and chivalry, and that slaves were treated well, would be a central theme of the Mardi Gras for many years. Kane would work in many jobs in Mobile, but later in life, he and his wife moved in with his son in Bayou Labatry and became a farmer. He was a favorite of local festivals and died on April 17, 1904. He was recognized all over for his service to Mobile's Mardi Gras. The Birmingham News published a notice with the dateline, Mobile, Alabama, April 18th. Joseph S. Kane, the father of Mardi Gras Mobile, died here today at the age of 72 years. He was buried outside of Bayou Labatry in the Oddfellows Cemetery. The society stayed secret and exclusive to well-to-do white men for years, but change eventually happened. In 1884, a Mobile store owner, Dave Levi was denied membership in mystic societies because of his Jewish faith. He started the Comic Cowboys. In 1894, the Order of Doves was the first African-American mystic society, lasting until around 1914. Another group, now known as the Mobile Area Mardi Gras Association, or MAMGA, had its first parade of societies in 1938 for African-Americans. The first all-woman parading society, 
the Order of Polka Dots, was formed in 1949. In 1961, La Cruz de formed Mobile's only civic and charitable organization to promote Mobile and its Mardi Gras. It started as a non-parading organization, and its ball was called the Out-of-Towners Ball. In 1980, the Order of Osiris held its first ball for the city's gay and lesbian community. Even with all these groups forming societies, most Mobilians were resigned to being spectators. By the 1960s, there was a drive to make the parades more inclusive, but it really didn't take off until local author Julian Lee Rayford decided to honor the father of Mardi Gras, Joe Kane, and he thought it would be a great idea to take his body from Battery and reinter it at the Church Street Graveyard in downtown Mobile. Rayford didn't just do it in the middle of the night. He had to convince surviving family members and city officials that it would be a great idea. He stated his case in the Courier, Battery's newspaper. It took a little prodding, but all parties finally relented. Kane and his wife's mortal remains would return to Mobile. In 1967, Rayford, dressed as Old Slack, as he is also known, led a jazz funeral procession through downtown to the Church Street Cemetery and to his grave, where the gravestone carries the inscription, Here lies old Joe Kane, the heart and soul of Mardi Gras and Mobile. Joseph Stillwell Kane, Slackabama Renico, Old Slack, 1832-1904. This procession would become an annual event from then on. Rayford would wear the feathers until he passed on the role of Old Slack in 1970. The feathers have been passed on only two more times in the 55-plus years of the procession's existence. Today, Joe Kane Day is celebrated on the Sunday before Fat Tuesday with the main event, the Joe Kane Procession. It is different from the other parades in that it is the People's Parade as opposed to others run by Mystic Society. At first, anyone could join the procession, but it got so big that organizers had to limit the number of people and floats. Once the procession reaches Joe Kane's grave, Mobilians dance upon his grave, and he is mourned by Kane's Merry Widows. Formed in 1974, these veiled women, dressed in all black, cry aloud and mourn Kane's loss. In life, Joe Kane had but one wife. In death, he has 20. These women, with names such as Sue Ellen, Scarlet, Pearl, and Emmy Lou, will bicker about which one he loved the most. Another group in mourning is Joe Kane's Merry Mistresses. They wear bright red gowns and veils and throw roses into the crowd. They join the Merry Widows in mourning the loss of Joe Kane. I started writing the episode on Fat Tuesday, and you may be listening to this episode months later. Lucky for you, there is time to start planning your Mardi Gras trip to Mobile. Parades will begin in January and gain steam as they approach Fat Tuesday. If you're a student of Mardi Gras Mobile, I'm sure you may find errors with the dates in my story or even how I have told it. While researching Joe Kane, I discovered that the truth might differ depending on who you are. If you read any Mobile Mardi Gras history from a New Orleans perspective, you might not like their thoughts about who started it. The real truth about the beginning of Mardi Gras is everywhere. It's mysterious and secretive, like the mystic societies and crews that run Mardi Gras today. And I think that makes my story perfect. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Alabama Short Stories Podcast. If you enjoyed listening, I would appreciate it if you would rate it and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you listen there. And if you know someone who might like to hear these stories, share this episode with them and encourage them to subscribe. 
You can also support the podcast by purchasing the companion book from Amazon.com, which features the first three seasons of the podcast. Thanks again, and see you next time on Alabama Short Stories.